0: And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with PressBox presents Stan the Fan's Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the Bat Around. Guys, take it away.
1: And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you in our uh, viewing and listening audiences, Stan the Fan and Craig Heist. We are your bat-around guys, and we have the wives to prove it. Uh, <laughs> because we've been batted around so many times in our lives. There you that was go. pretty good. You Thank see what you. I did there? I
2: right. set me up all perfectly. Right. First ahead. of
1: all, pleasant surprise. You and I didn't communicate this week. You had told me you didn't think you were coming in. So I booked a full guest of a full book of uh, guests thinking I was going to be here
2: alone. That's all right.
3: I'm
1: pretty much him anyway. You pretty much are anyway. All right. Anyway, (laughs) we're brought to you by some really good people like uh, the folks. Where did the book go? Oh, it's right here. By like Exxon Mobil, uh, the Costas Inn, uh, Glen Burnie Transmissions, live casino hotels and sliders. You'll hear about a bunch of others. During the course of the show, uh, we are broadcasting as we do each and every Saturday morning on the bat Around and all the shows here in the live Casino Hotel Studios. Here's our guest list today. Without further ado, Todd Karpovich, Orioles beat writer for PressBox PressBoxOnline.com will join us at 1015. Mike Shallon will join us around 1040, 1045 to talk about the sudden, rather sudden dismissal of Dave Dombrowski and see if it was all that shocking to the media up in Boston. From what I'm hearing, it really wasn't that shocking. Uh, Joe Tressa, MLB.com, Oreo Beat Writer, will join us as well. At 11.20, we'll talk to play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox, and that is Adam Pohl. His Bowie Bay Sox were eliminated last night as Trenton beat them at Francis Scott Key Stadium, right? right? That is the name of the stadium And In Bowie? Yeah. Uh, no, that's Frederick. That's Frederick. Frederick. What's the name of the – anyway, in Bowie's home field, they were victorious. Trenton wins the series three games to one. Uh, great season. Can't eliminate a great season, though, uh, for the Bowie Bay Sox. And then at 11.37, 38, around that time for about 12, 15 minutes, Matt Sells, S-E-L-S, or S-E-L-Z. Uh, will join us. Now it's got me confused. Anyway, Matt will join us. It's it's S, S-E-L-S. You put S on the paper. Yes, it is S. It's Matt Zells from FantasyAlarm.com will join us. And, Craig, I thought what we'd do is not just Orioles and Nats, <clears throat> but take a look at maybe the top 10 or 12 prospects um, from the draft in order and then maybe a few other incidental players that may be surprising Early on, so that's what we've got in store for the show today. Um, Nats uh, took it on the chin last night. You're feeling
2: pretty comfortable that they've got their position lined up? Yeah, I think so. It's uh, two and a half games over the uh, Cubs for the top spot, and three in the in the loss column. So uh, you know, I think uh, they've got two more with the Braves this week, and then they go to St. Louis. That's going to be a tough series. And then we'll go from St. Louis down to Miami before coming home to finish out the season. They have
1: Cleveland, too. Uh,
2: they, well, yeah, but that's the last game of the uh, – that's the last series of the regular season at Nats Park, yes. I it's hard to getting, do that like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, it is hard to do that. <laughs> I don't know why I set that up that way. But here's what I – here's what I came up with. It's all that. Here's what I came up with. It's
2: all that Pilates that stand. Yeah, in his, in his ex- ex- off time. That's
1: exactly what it is. <laughs> um – I just want to find a sheet. Here it is. This is the sheet I got. The Cubs have 15 games left. Okay. They play seven games, four with St. Louis and three more with St. Louis. They play seven games, teams over 500. The
2: Nats... Have 15 games left and have 12 games left. Yeah, there's only plus 500. Only, only teams. the Marlins are the are, is the team that's below 500.
1: Exactly, and they'll probably face a Phillies team that will be mailing it in. Except
2: uh, Bryce Harper
1: would love nothing. Well, more than you to know, keep the Nets.
2: but there's something very interesting about that series. That is a five game series with a makeup doubleheader uh, on the Tuesday. That is correct. Yes, and five so games. so that's a that, that's a uh, a kind of a tough thing because when you're looking and thinking about winning series, it's very hard in a five-game series over four days to win that series. Right.
1: No question about it. Now, the New York Mets, who are hovering, the Mets right now are... Oh, this is a different sheet. The Mets are five games behind the Nationals, but only two and a half behind the Cubs. Right. The Mets have 15 games left to play. They only have 5 games with teams over 500, 2 with the Dodgers and 3 with Atlanta. But but
2: we'd have to find out how many of those are on the road away from Wrigley Field. The the Cubs, the Cubs. They're, they're 15 games they have 2 at
1: home left with Pittsburgh, 3 at home with Cincinnati. All right, so that's 4 five. at home, they've got 9, nine of 15, of the 15. home. Okay, uh, yeah. The Mets have the Mets have nine of fifteen at home. The Nationals have fifteen, and they
2: have nine of fifteen. They have ten of sixteen. And, and the reason I said that was yeah. because they, the Cubs, play very well at home against Wrigley Field. And they've been really atrocious this year on, on the, the road. road yeah. So, uh, again, when you look at uh, uh, when you look at the Cubs, uh, it's uh, forty-eight and twenty-four at home. It's thirty-one and forty-four on the road.
1: Now, so, what are the Milwaukee Brewers at home and on the road? Because let's Milwaukee's
2: the, 40, 43 and thirty-one at home, thirty-five and thirty-eight on the road.
1: Okay. Now they only have seven Ooh. of fifteen at home left, but get a load of their schedule: fifteen games left to play, just two games—the remaining two of this series—against a team over five hundred. They then have four at home against San Diego. Three at home against Pittsburgh, then go three at Cincinnati
2: and three at Colorado. They, by far, have the easiest work the, schedule. The easiest work schedule, but still, you, you just have to wonder, going forward... Without uh, Yellage, Without Yellich, how that affects that team. And that's starting
1: pitching, which right. has been atrocious all season long. So, it's interesting... Uh, the thing that still scares me about the Nats, and I've been the nervous Nelly since uh, since he got hurt, is I'm not seeing the exact same Max Scherzer that I saw. Well, two I thought months ago. I thought
2: you saw closer last uh, time to it out. out last time out in uh, in facing Mike Soroka down in Atlanta, because uh, Scherzer only gave up a run over six innings, I think two hits, and he struck out nine. Uh, Soroka gave up four runs uh, over his stint and seven hits, and uh, you know the, the Nationals won that game. Last night, pitch count got Scherzer uh, early, got through the first two innings in pretty good shape, but even so, his pitch count was, was high. It was 42 after two. Uh, settled down a bit in the third inning, but then in the fourth inning, gave up a couple of runs, mm-hmm. and... Uh, uh, but, but it really didn't make a difference last night because the Nationals didn't do a very good job against Soroka. Right. Hit some balls hard, right. but right at people.
1: But let's face facts. Uh, the Nationals, who, if all goes well at this point in time, will be the number one seed. That's not a given, though. Not a but given. But for them to have a real chance at doing any damage in the playoffs... They need Max Scherzer pitching well, better no, than he has.
2: Well, there's no question about it, and you kind of state the obvious, but the but the bottom line is he's still working his way back. Last night was his fifth start after since coming off the I.L. The pitch count has increasingly gotten better. Right. He went from four innings and then four and a third innings uh, to having a, a five-inning and a six-inning stint and then last night a five-inning stint. Uh, I, I think basically it's more command than anything else right now. He's not talking about anything not uh, feeling, I'm not, not
1: disagreeing with a single word you're saying but feeling, so why but, is he going to be better in 14 days from now?
2: Well, I just think the more he I mean okay. it's kind of like a spring training thing again yeah. for him. Okay. Uh,
1: well, that's that's not a to me it's not a real positive sign for the Nationals. Well, Let uh, me ask you a question. Do you see a scenario where if they get into a one game playoff and they know that it? that he know that Strasburg pitches it instead of him?
2: I I could see that happening, sure. But, again, it it all depends on how it lines up. Right. And, uh, I mean, I know there was a –
1: I think they have it lined up right now.
2: They had it lined up after he came back the first time or when he came back the first time that he would start that game, that that one-game playoff if need be. Uh, But, again, a lot of things can happen. They've got the doubleheader coming up in in, in a five-game series that they wouldn't have had before. So, a lot of things can change in two weeks.
1: All right. Uh, in the American League, there are just three teams vying for the two playoff spots. In the National League, as we just suggested, there are five teams. I've eliminated the, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, who all of a sudden have lost five games in a row.
2: Yeah, and they're four and a half back. And, right. They're, uh, they're dead. Uh, they're, they're, they're dead. They're four and a half back and four in the loss column. From uh, Milwaukee, so make, actually from the Cubs make it five in the loss column. So.
1: so now let's take a quick look around the American League, uh, uh, the American League wild card situation. Tampa has thirteen games left; mm-hmm. they have eight with teams over five hundred record. Cleveland has fifteen games left; they have nine games over five hundred. How many games – Oakland has 14 games left. How many of those do you think they play teams over 500? Uh, how about zero? Zero. Zero. About,
2: zero. Well,
1: you know. Uh, so, I would say that Oakland is near a
2: lot. To I, m- I uh, would say that's the case. And yeah. they've won eight out of ten. Yep. And, uh, again, uh, they're playing well no matter how you look at it. 48-27 and 27 at the Coliseum, 40-33 and 33 on the road. Uh, Tampa Bay – uh, is uh, you know 43 and 32 at home. Uh, they're even better on the road. They're 45 and 29. Cleveland is a game behind them for the final spot, and then Boston. <laughs> is 10 out. <laughs> that, that's yeah. an amazing kind of number for me. We love it. Yeah, I we, we really 10, do. 10 out.
1: All right. Anyway, uh, th- I'll be interested to talk to Mike Shallon about that. Uh,
2: you yourself, were you caught by surprise by Dave Dombrowski's dismissal? Uh, I I was not necessarily caught by surprise, but again – you kind of wonder who's uh, who's making the decisions and what they're thinking about because I mean, this is a guy, uh, you know, a year removed from the World Series and a title, and you also though think about the other side of a Dave Dombrowski and what he brings to the table as a GM, and that's the fact that he will trade draft picks in a heartbeat to get talent for a club and free agent talent that he thinks can win now.
1: You remember the expression, see ball, hit ball? Yeah. Uh, Evan Drellich of the Boston Globe wrote a, wrote a piece where he said it was sort of see, see problem, fix problem, mm-hmm. meaning see a problem, trade a prospect. Oh, you know, yeah. And that's what they did. Uh, I think, listen, there's no question that Dave Dombrowski deserves credit for winning a World Series there. But like he did in Detroit, I think he was on his way to really damaging that franchise, and I think that the powers that be, John Henry and Tom Werner being the biggest powers, said, I think they said, we don't want this to turn we don't into a, to, right. Yeah, uh, and I think that's what happened. Uh, I think from what I – and listen, I've always gotten along with Dave. I found him the, uh, as time wore on because, you know, I'd see him when he was a scout, a general manager, assistant general manager. He just got a little bit more – full of himself, uh, and I see, I, I just think I, what I read from two people was that he honkered down in the bunker there in his office and talked to Frank Wren and Tony LaRussa, mm-hmm. two men who will not be part of the new regime. No, no, not at all. All right. So. Let's uh, bring in, and we'll remind you again, we're broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios, the Live Casino Hotel Studios, and we want you to like and share the show if you're watching on Facebook. Can you say that too, Greg?
2: Yes, like and share if you're watching on Facebook. All right, Facebook Live. All right. Here we go. Um our first guest of the day,
1: Todd Karpovich. Todd, how are you? Hey, Stan, how's it going? Hey, Steve. Hey, what's up, Todd? Hey, how's it going? How come you're free today because uh is Navy off today? No, playing, yeah, they, play know, play at 3:30. they play at 3.30. They play at 3.30. East eh? Carolina. They play at home? Yeah. yeah. Okay. At home, yeah. So what time do you go down there? Around noon? They usually. Yeah, no,
4: yeah no, no later than noon. Okay. Traffic. It's one way in, one way
1: out. All so right. Just, what? Tell us what that game is like, briefly. Uh, it's the
4: uh, AAC opener. A big one for Navy. East Carolina is kind of rebuilding. But it'll be a tough test. Um, Navy is um, intent on throwing the ball more this season. They opener against Holy Cross. They did throw the ball well. Malcolm Perry had a career high, I think it was 126 yards in a long touchdown pass. And uh, defense is overhauling a new coordinator, Brian Norwood. So we'll see. Maybe maybe uh, a new uh, new new era for Navy football. So we'll see how long uh, you know, they
1: compete with this new system. Now, I know you're covering Navy for us, but before we get into talking about the Orioles, the uh, University of Maryland, pleasantly surprised with where they are, and what do you expect from today's game at Temple at twelve o'clock on CBS Sports, Sports right? Sports yeah. Network, not CBS. Yeah, it's Maryland and
4: Navy back to back. Yeah, on that channel. So,
1: what's um, your impri- What are your impressions? Have you been able to see any of the play at all? Tell them you don't yeah, do you really, don't I, do
2: impressions. Yeah. Anyway, I was able
4: to watch the Maryland game. Actually, at were can of yards before uh, the game last last weekend. Right. Um, the uh, the Howard game wasn't a surprise. The points they put up was a surprise, but that yeah. wasn't. Blowout win wasn't a surprise. You know, beating Syracuse that handily, that was that was huge. That was eye, was, was, it was an was eye opener. There's talk that Syracuse was looking past Maryland because they play Clemson today. Right. But I don't think I'll be get beat
1: like that. Yeah, uh, that was a real eye opener for a lot of folks. Maryland is six and a half point favorite. Uh, let's slide over to the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Todd, it, two times in the past two weeks, the club has uh, made some announcements of dismissals within the organization. Um this isn't really uh, a huge surprise, is it?
4: no it's not and um um Michael I, he's putting his stamp on the club um and i i guess uh the timing of it I don't know you know think the timing of it was a bit curious you know you know the, the second wave yeah um the first wave was okay because he was giving those, tires, those guy's time to find jobs elsewhere, but the second one you know in uh was late was late august uh, kind of i don't know um, could he wait to after the season to do that I don't know um, but I guess it, it took them this long I guess they were really really analyzing the books and how they're doing things and they right. included that they just didn't they just didn't need this whole way of doing things wasn't going to work and they were going to put a new system in he says you know they're going to hire new people so it wasn't a it's absolutely, it absolutely was not a cost cutting cost cutting measure right um, it was more of an efficiency efficiency decision and um, listen without time, you know it's a, the track record Oh, that staff it's really at best uneven, you know? Yes. Um, In other words time
1: changes, yeah. You've got you've got the five or six years where they were really competitive at the major league level, and you can almost say that that's a little bit of a um not a fluke because it certainly wasn't a fluke. We watched it's the games, but it but it was an outlier to the entire organization during the last 20, 25 years.
4: That's exactly right. I mean, yeah. that really came out of nowhere. The yeah. They were able to do that. And, you know, Christy was hitting 50 home runs, and everything just sort of came together. Um, you know, and they, and they, they traded for uh, Andrew Miller, that, that solidified a bullpen. It just sort of came together uncannily. And then look where they are now, though. You know. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, putting a new paint job to an old car. You know what I mean? It's going to look <laughs> good.
1: It's going to run. The Earl
4: Shibe. They it's were doing up.
2: the Earl Shibe job. That's right. That's right. Um, I, I had yeah, la-
4: they're, they're doing things the right way. Let me point
2: that way. I had to laugh last night though because uh, we were sitting in the press box down in Nats Park, and a few people walked over to me. and, goes, and they looked at the Orioles-Tigers score and they said, "Ah, the Orioles are screwing up by the numbers again. <laughs> Look at that, <laughs> beating, beating the Tigers six to two, and now they're just going to screw up the number one draft pick."
4: Yeah, this is. I mean, five games
2: now. Uh, yeah. And, well, uh, they- it looks
4: like the the uh, consensus pick is a kid from Georgia. Uh, Emerson Hancock,
1: who I don't know if I, was, I don't know if he's
4: consensus, but he's pretty close to it. He's a right-handed pitcher. All right handed pitcher Right. Well, that was, that poor
1: here. that poor guy. If he ends up in Detroit, I feel sorry for well, him because yeah. that club is going. They they haven't even embarked upon what the Orioles have embarked upon. They're in no, some they sort of of denial, you know.
2: <laughs> right? And you know the other part too is uh, this this draft coming up this year, and Stan and I are going to talk about this uh, a little later on in the program with some of these prospects, but this is a much more pitching-friendly draft this season coming up uh, when we get to the summer next year than it was this year, for sure. Yeah, it's
1: definitely pitching heavy, yeah. Now, I'll tell you where the Orioles may be screwing up because I think Detroit is uncatchable for the number one spot now. Yeah, but
4: it's five games. I mean, it's ridiculous.
1: But the Orioles are creeping up. Miami this week is 0-5, and the Orioles are 2-2, and they are within about two, two and a half games of one another. With Miami possibly going to, you know, really not tank intentionally at all. Because I'll tell you, Don Mattingly, I think, on very thin ice there with Derek Jeter. Yeah, Yeah, opinion. three games now between the Orioles and uh, yeah. the Marlins. All right. Um, uh, tell us, you wrote a, a really interesting piece because one of the things I've identified, I was asked the other day on the Mid-Atlantic Sports Report to come up with five things that really stood out from this Orioles season to me, both positive or negative. And to me, one of the things I, I've seen with my own eyes, I don't need scouts to tell me this, is the Orioles' outfield defense – is absolutely horrific. Horrendous. Uh, and tell me what, what you think with Austin Hayes getting that uh, sudden uh, uh, second chance to come up to the major leagues.
4: Well, I was sort of curious because he was headed to the Arizona Fall League and then Michael Elias, you know, he met with us before. Um, well, he was supposed to meet with us on Thursday and then he, then he, then he transferred to Friday and then he right. moved it to Saturday last weekend. Um, right. And he says and now B.A. issued a memo about, you know, they they could join the forty man roster and report to the Arizona faulty in October. But apparently uh, Joe Treslov of MLB showed me a story where the memo actually came out in the spring. So okay. it wasn't this wasn't breaking news. I guess maybe one of the guys she got let go didn't didn't remind the lies. But anyway, um I think it was uh he Austin Hayes the guy we wanted to see and he probably would have been here earlier if he didn't hurt his thumb and wasn't out for six weeks. Right. Um beginning of the season. Um and he's flying his defense. His defense is good. He, you know, he's a he's guy who looks like he's a natural in center field. Now, he had a couple diving catches. Um, he had three hits on Thursday, so his bat's heating up. Um, but, yeah, he's one of those guys who knows, you know, if he can finish strong here, um, he can have an opportunity to, um, to to compete for that position in 2020. I tell you what, they really like his kid Mason Williams, too, it seems like.
1: Well, but Williams really Williams isn't really a kid. He's about twenty eight or twenty nine years yeah. old. But well, I
5: me Just came up. It yeah. will
1: not surprise me if Williams and uh, Williams and Hayes are on the opening day roster next year. They've got yeah, to and, have I, better outfield. DJ Spears people. should
4: not be in that mix.
1: He just cannot. He's, he's not a good defender, I and mean, he can work on it. But. I th- I think he needs. I, you know, this. I know. I have you on to answer the questions, but what I see with DJ is that. Despite the fact I'm not saying he's fat or anything, but his body type, he need he would need to lose, in my opinion, like another fifteen pounds to get another step quicker in the outfield because the yeah, two, speed the speed two because plays the, the two plays he got hurt on, he was just about there, but his speed sort of betrayed him. I'm talking about yeah. the play in Texas. And the play where he got
2: hit in the head by the baseball—that
1: speed
4: betrays. ball over his head in the Rangers series. Ball right over his head in the Rangers series. Right yeah. the Rangers series. Yeah. It cost him
2: a run. That's yeah. that, you know, that. Speed betrays me all the time. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you, but you got to have guys who can cover ground.
2: Unless yeah. unless I'm heading to the cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that's you that's make good. Horses. Yeah. I, I can get up and down a flight of stairs as quickly as anybody if I'm doing that. And I've also if a, an attractive woman walks
1: by, I've never seen anybody move their neck <laughs> well, as quick there you as go. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that can lead to other issues.
4: <laughs> but we, we talked about this, how the defense has to get better to
1: help the pitching. I mean if they get ahead. No, quite, ahead. No, listen, when you give up as many home runs as the
2: Orioles give up, it's not all outfield defense. No, it's because not. Because they're not
1: on stilts. And then when ladders,
2: it but was, you know, it was so funny. Jonathan VR hits that home run that basically, put, you know, breaks the record for home yep. runs in a single season yep. uh, for Major League Baseball. Right. It Just so happened that VR hit it. That was Wednesday and, night, right, right? Wednesday night, and you know, you post that on social media because it happens just then. So it's on Twitter, it's on Facebook, and then you turn around. And the reaction from everybody that reads that, and they say, "Well, the Orioles have given up about two thirds of those." That's mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: true. That's true. That's true. Well, I love when um, they talk about teams that are these incredible home run hitting teams, like the Yankees and the Minnesota Twins. You take what they did against the Orioles away, yeah, and it's not not quite not as, nearly impressive. as impressive. Is
2: impressive, right? Yeah. We're talking. So with, also, I saw it
1: was distressing
2: over
4: the last week is um. Dylan Bundy against the Dodgers. That was that, ball, that was absolutely that ball went pathetic. Past and didn't that was, cover home plate. That was on, pathetic.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. and you know, and I and I don't care. I, you know, and we talked to him afterwards in the clubhouse, and I don't care what the excuse was. And in this case with Dylan, it was an excuse. I thought I had the guy struck out. Well that's fine, but you still gotta get the out once the ball gets past the catcher. Yes. So so what are you doing not covering home plate? Yeah. That was, I got to tell you,
1: in a, in a history of some unprofessional moments by a guy, that was by far the worst I've, I've seen. Probably, that may be the worst play I've ever seen an Oriole player do. He just absolutely was thinking about himself and being pissed off at Rio Ruiz and Pedro Severino. Yeah. And he was pissed off at both of them, thinking, here it goes again. I'm pitching good. And while he's thinking that, the second run crossed. It, it was, yeah, it I made mean, national moves again. It was yeah. a national headline.
4: Yeah, giving up two runs on a wild pitch or yeah. a pass ball.
3: Yeah.
1: you know, yeah. just yeah, it's just not a good luck. It's I gar- good luck. I guarantee you, if they could get two bats and balls for him, they I'll, I'll tell you something. Don't be surprised if they don't try and package one of these younger pitchers that I'm hearing maybe that they're not enamored with, but who might have value. And they sort of try and package Bundy with another pitcher to get one pitcher back. Uh, I could see that. Because yeah. they, they can't be happy with that look. And in fairness to Dylan, Dylan's career has sort of spiraled out of control the the way the team has spiraled downhill. But they're on the way up. And I don't know that Dylan feels like he wants to be a part of the up. I think he wants to
4: take. Just his body language in the clubhouse. He sits by himself. Yep. You know, know, he doesn't really talk to any of his teammates. You know, he kind of does his own thing. It just doesn't look like, you know, he doesn't doesn't look like he's enjoying himself for a guy who
1: grew up a baseball player. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree. Interesting. That's probably the the
2: best analogy that I think I've heard about Dylan Bundy. He's not enjoying enjoying himself. Because you you go in, you do the post game interviews with him, and you see the way he answers questions. and And I would say that that's. As accurate as I, I think I've ever heard anybody ex, uh, describe it, he just doesn't look like he's enjoying himself. Right. No. And he's a guy who
4: grew up in a baseball
2: family. It was his life. Yep. Yeah. yeah, you know? yep. yep, I think it might be one of those
1: situations that it would be best for both sides, a fresh start for him, and maybe we get somebody who appreciates more uh, the opportunity that the Orioles give
3: you. You know.
4: Yeah. know. because and by this, and large, this team this team play hard. You know, yeah. I mean, by and large, you really get, they did make some really technical mistakes, some boneheaded errors on on the basis. But by and large, they played hard. They've given Hyde, you know, a pretty good effort.
3: Yeah.
1: You know, and and every once in a while, you'll see a team play lesser for a guy that they don't love. You know, it's just I mean, when you think about that inning when it all fell apart, the the throw by Santander, I mean, it was a dink hit. But Santander's throw put the guy in scoring position to begin with, and then Rio Ruiz's play was a- absolutely a botch job. Uh, yeah, he well, he let Bellinger running in front of him throw him off, and uh, uh, you could see you could fry an egg on Dylan Bundy's head at that point in time. Yeah, and yeah. you do that to make like the Dodgers.
4: They're gonna they're gonna make you pay for it. That's that's why they're they're gonna be making the playoffs and making a World Series, run. They're gonna. They're
1: going to pounce on mistakes like that. And that's what good teams do. We're talking with Todd Karpovich, Orioles beat writer for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. We are broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios. And, Todd, um, one of the things about making the Oriole defense uh, better than it's been, uh, and this is no knock against him because we all know that uh, Trey Mancini plays the game as hard as he possibly can, is that he really belongs at first base. Yeah. Uh, do you see, as we get down to the last two weeks of the season, do you see a scenario where the team says, you know what, we've got this Davis cost no matter what, we got to pay him the money, but it might make sense to have a $700,000 guy in that position, uh, somebody that can be productive to the team uh, and move Mancini to first base?
4: Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think it's um, like you and you know, we talked about this before. Right yeah. know, are they gonna um are they gonna DFA um Davis in the off season? It's a lot of money. Uh, but yeah. at the same time, it's it, it's really it's it's a brilliant really dark cloud hanging over the franchise because of his numbers. Um, yeah. and uh, you know, like, they have time to figure it out. Um, they pick it. Look, Davis doesn't get picked up by anybody else. I don't think. No, so he he might
1: get, he, I, I, he probably I, he might get an invite from somebody say like his original team, the Texas Rangers, the Rangers. but that would be like a minor league deal signed in late February. I think the issue is do they want to protect a 40man roster spot for Chris Davis? And I, yeah. I, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. No,
4: he's, he's he's not helping the team. And anyway, whatsoever. So his defense is pretty good. He
1: right.
4: Got in, he's had some lapses there. And then he had the incident in the dugout. You know, it's just. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to. I'm decision. not even going
1: to. I'm not even holding that against him. I think that that really was a, a sort of a one-time thing. Uh, but. You know, he, he just has never been able to get back even remotely in the same ballpark as as being the player he once yeah, was. Yeah, and, and, and he
4: it, hasn't worked at it. He, he's put the time in. He's seen a sports psychologist. He hit the batting cage. Right. Showed up early to spring training and then hit pneumonia and set him back. Right. But he's done everything you could possibly do to try to get back on track. And nothing has worked and that's gotta be distressing.
2: It's gotta be distressing. It plays on your mind so that's when you hear people say, Well a lot of this has gotta be in his head. Yeah. Well sure. when you're struggling as much as he has and you're trying to figure out what's going on and you can't get any solutions to it, that weighs heavily on a person. I don't care whether it's baseball or, or any other walk uh, any other thing in life.
1: Yeah. So, you know, listen, right. I don't I don't doubt at this point that some of that's part of Bundy's problem is a mental thing and you know, not not so much about his performance, but he has a belief that he's not going to win games right now. He goes yeah. out there and he's not blaming himself He's blaming his teammates,
2: in right. my opinion. Yeah, that,
1: and you can't do that in a Major League clubhouse. You cannot right. not yeah. do that in a Major league no, clubhouse.
2: No, because because the players, they know what you're feeling, what you're thinking. Yeah. What, do they think? Christy, how what are they thinking, thinking about you? Huh? What are they thinking how? about you? <laughs> I'm glad he does the other clubhouse. <laughs>
4: well, how, how many times he through, have you walked into a clubhouse after a game where a pitcher loses after giving up? You know, he loses 2-1, one And right away, the first thing he says, is he takes responsibility for the game for the runs he gave up? That's the first thing he says. He never talks about you know not getting any offensive support or what happened in the field. The first thing he always says, he takes responsibility for the two runs or one one he gave up. You know that's what you know that's kind of that's how you manage yourself to the teammates. So that's what leaders do. You know, and you can't be you can't you can't throw anybody under the bus.
1: All right. Well, speaking of throwing somebody under the bus, we're going to throw you out of here and let you get over to Navy <laughs> Marine tough. Corps. Hey, Nathan. you guys,
4: uh, you guys betting Ravens over the uh. The Horseshoe Casino. You can't bet football in Maryland, can you?
1: No, you can't. You can't. Can. That you can. But I'm, nah. that doesn't stop me uh, from being in Well, I was going to say, well,
2: you can, but just don't get caught. Right. <laughs> you have to go over to Costas. Right. right. you got to go over to Costas. start to lick at the bar. Yeah. Nick the bookie
1: next right. <laughs> we always wondered what
2: Nick does out there <laughs> yeah and now we know all yeah. right that that uh, crustaceanologist I mean, thing is just a front that's
1: a tough that's a tough point spread tomorrow 13 I'll
6: the tell corner. you what's even uh, a
2: cl- I think what's even a tougher one is the New England 19 points against Miami in Miami because no matter how bad everybody thinks Miami is after the Ravens clean their clock last week the the New England Patriots never play well. well I will tell you this in South Florida they're
1: one and six against the spread their last seven games in miami yep That's uh, this a is, this is the largest spread in twelve years uh, so if I was going to lay any, if it. I was
2: going to lay money down on this yeah. I would have to think very hard about. The only Miami. the only thing is
1: those, yeah, are, can't all, that again. those are all those are all those are all logical reasons to bet the Dolphins and take the points. Right. The one thing that nobody's written about is what is the tenor of that team. There was talk already that there's like a mutiny down mutiny, there. Yeah. I mean that might fall behind ten nothing and then just, you totally can just pack collapse. it in. Yeah. yeah. All right, Todd. Enjoy the Navy game today and go Navy. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. All right. That is Mr. Uh, Todd Karpovich, and you've been listening to him from the Live Casino Hotel Studios. We're going to take our first time out right now, and we will tell you, Craig, about the Costas Inn. Well, the
2: Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard in Dundalk, and it's the best place in Maryland for steamed crabs and also world-famous crab cakes. And apparently the best place to get a a bed in. Well, maybe. (laughs) Who knows? Ah, but uh, you got great specials on the menu each and every night of the week. Uh, crab cake night on Monday, ribs night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesday, and go along with that half-price bottles of wine, and then lobster night on uh, Thursday. Uh, but uh, great specials on the menu all week long. Uh, the prime rib is to die for. Forty-one hundred North Point Boulevard. Nick and Pete treat you just like family. Go in and enjoy a nice meal with your family. And you know,
1: you know, advertisers and the, the Costa have been with me for twenty three years. Mm-hmm.
2: Right? And they still so, haven't wised up. And they haven't wised up. <laughs> and
1: they often wonder, am I really are people listening? Make sure you go out there and it's just a joke, but go up to Nick. And say, hey, can you get me a bet on that? Game? Right, yeah. Stan yeah. and Craig told me I could get a bet on again.
2: And that'll be the end of the. And that'll uh, be the, end, that'll of be the, the end of the uh, sponsorship. sponsorship,
1: right? All right. Uh, hey, let's tell you, remind you that the battle round is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. We've got a new program here on. Uh, our podcasting uh, studio on Facebook Live. You want to know about what's going on this season in high school football throughout the state of Maryland? Tune in to the Press Box High School Football Show with Booker Corrigan and legendary former McDonough coach Dom D'Amico. The guys will discuss everything happening at both the private and public school levels every Monday at twelve thirty p.m. Watch at Facebook.com/slash Sports and you can listen at com slash radio.
2: And we also have the uh, morning forecast for you as well. As you know... I didn't get home until late last night because of the uh, three-and-a-half-hour game with the Braves, Right. a post-game show to do. So by the time you get home and, and get to sleep, it's probably 2, 2.30 in the morning. Get up, come up here to Baltimore to do this show. So slightly exhausted with a 100% chance of needing coffee, scattered scar- sarcastic comments throughout the afternoon. Here's your and forecast. That's the forecast.
1: <laughs> okay, that's what we know we've got in store today. Uh, luckily for me, just an hour and a half left with Craig House. <laughs> we'll be back from the Live Casino Hotel Studios in just a couple minutes, and on the next segment, uh, Mike Shallon's going to join us in about seven or eight minutes from the New Hampshire Union Leader
0: around here there are two kinds of chicken royal farms world famous chicken and everything else what's the difference royal farms chicken is always fresh never frozen it's hand dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices and cooked on the spot right in the store chicken from anywhere else who knows Hungry for some hot and delicious chicken? Get some Royal Farms World Famous Chicken. It's one of a kind. And don't forget the Western fries. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate at Camden Yards. Sliders Bar and Grill is at 504 Washington Boulevard. Just steps away from Camden Yards, it's the perfect sports bar for every season. This is the perfect time to book your private party or take the office to lunch. Feeding clients, take them to Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar, Sliders, for great food and drinks with some local atmosphere. You can book your private event on the second floor or on the outside patio, both overlooking the best stadium in baseball. See all of Sliders' daily specials or... Or book your party at slidersbaltimore.com Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. Visit them today.
7: Hey Birdland, as fall rolls in, the Orioles have you covered for the last homestand of the season. On Saturday, September 21st, the first 20,000 fans 15 and over can receive an Orioles Sherpa blanket, so you can stay cozy and rock the orange straight into next season. And on Sunday, don't miss out on the final 2019 home game, where the first 20,000 fans 15 and over can take home a retro Orioles t-shirt. Plus, to the game, it's your last chance for kids to run the bases. Be part of it all. Visit Orioles.com for tickets.
0: Want to know what's going on in high school football this season throughout the state of Maryland? Tune in to the PressBox High School Football Show with Booker Corrigan and legendary former McDonough coach Dom D'Amico. The guys will discuss everything happening at the private and public school levels, players and teams to watch, upcoming games, and so much more. Every Monday at 12 30 p.m., watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio for the PressBox High School Football Show.
8: Check out Costa Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-priced bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out costasinn.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere.
0: The Smokehouse barbecue Bacon Sandwich has come to Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. A boneless breast of chicken marinated with a special blend of seasonings and grilled for a tender and juicy backyard grilled taste, served on a toasted, buttered sweet yeast bun with Colby Jack cheese, bacon hand-tossed in a brown sugar and pepper blend, and green leaf lettuce. Topped with zesty smokehouse barbecue sauce, have it with their real lemonade and the famous Chick-fil-A waffle fries for a late summer meal that satisfies. Nobody waits for food unless they choose to. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers the super-fast service you count on. Dine in, drive through, or pre-order with your Chick-fil-A app, and it'll be ready when you get there. Plus, if you use the Chick-fil-A app, you automatically accrue points for free food. There's no better time for Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square than today. 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Catering available. <laughs>
6: This is the former Terp AJ Francis, just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are, too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from The Bottom of
0: Our Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo, Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled uh... in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet
4: me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you... On my list.
6: This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save
0: you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com, on SoundCloud, or iTunes.
1: All right, we are back on the bat round on this Saturday morning, and uh, we are in the live casino hotel studios, and Craig and I have a um, request to make of our audience that are watching us on Facebook Live. Just yes. take that one-to-five-second uh, uh, chunk out of your life That's all, yeah. and hit like and share okay really helps us a lot it really does to convince folks like live casino hotel and exxon mobil and gbt and all those folks and to if, advertise you, if you
2: with. like and share the program yep. online on yep. facebook you also get the very knowledgeable mike shallon that's and right. And you can listen to him talk to us about all things Dave Dombrowski and the Boston Red Sox. All right,
1: and that's what's joining us right now, or who's joining us right now is our friend Mike Shallon from the New Hampshire Union Leader, but not Forbes Magazine. I can't,
6: I can't wait to hear that guy. He sounds pretty
1: cool. <laughs> How you feeling, Michael?
0: I'm
6: feeling uh, okay for an old man. I, um, I'm actually on my way to lovely Downsville downtown Springfield, Mass., to do a little appearance at a public library. Um, I spend more time in libraries now <laughs> than I ever did as a kid, and if I would have spent more time doing it as a kid, I wouldn't be talking to you oh, right now. It's right. funny
2: how that works when we were go- growing up and in school, and they they, they told you, you got to go to the library, and you, uh-huh. you told people you were out of your mind. And now here you are in your
1: and spending a lot of time in libraries. Right. All
6: right. And I, I've been amazed at how beautiful they actually are.
1: Yes, they, they have are. a lot
6: of they have a lot of books.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and those books have big words along with the pictures.
6: Big words
2: for my big brain. Hey, yeah. uh, Mike. That, that's why I always go when I go to the library. I always try to find those audio books. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah,
6: but my, my problem is I can't find the X-rated section. Well, uh,
2: that is an issue.
1: <laughs> Craig never seems to have trouble finding that section. Yeah. Um, that's a different library. <laughs> yeah. a different li- it's not the public library. Uh, we're talking with Mike Shallon of the New Hampshire Union leader. Mike uh, covers all things New England sports and also an official scorer at uh, Fenway Park. Before we talk about Dave Dombrowski, we're about two weeks out before this season's over. I know you're pretty good friends with Don Mattingly, who's the manager of the Miami Marlins. Do you think he survives?
6: And I have a, I have a bad feeling about it. Yeah, um, I do too. You know, uh, it's, it's, we know how hard it is to, to gauge the success or failure of a manager who doesn't have a team. Right. Uh, and I, I wonder about the, the egos. Of uh, Jeter and Maddox together, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it seems to me that unlike some other tanking team, they give you a competitive run every time you play them, and, and I don't know what more you could possibly ask for, unless they've got uh, a true developmental guy that they want to give the job to. But I don't, I don't have a great feeling about
1: it. Yeah, and I'm also assuming that uh, Jeff um, Lurie, it uh, probably agreed to pay Mattingly a nice chunk of money when he brought him sure. in, and I have a feeling d- Derek Jeter will think, you know what, we can we can lose 110, 115 games with a, a $600,000 a year guy yeah. rather than three million dollars.
6: So, especially when you especially when you realize that Alex Cora mm-hmm. was paid $800,000 to win the World Series last year.
1: Right, right, right. So yeah. getting back to Boston, all things Boston. I'm getting a sense that the media in Boston is not shocked at all that Dave Dombrowski was let go. Would I be right in saying that?
6: Absolutely. I mean, I, I wrote it uh, you know, a couple of days day before he got fired that his future was one of the seven seven or eight things they had to deal
3: with.
6: Uh-huh. It's all season. Dan Shaughnessy wrote two weeks ago that he's not coming back. And then uh, Dave said... Uh, well, that's the one good thing about me is that I don't read a lot of a lot of newspaper columns that don't have a lot in it. So he took a little shot at Dan, right? And then and then Dan tweeted, perhaps Dave should have read my column.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah. There's an old, old ball. guy for you, but yeah. uh, uh, no, I'm not shocked. I, I, I you know, it, it, there's, there's, you look at this thing and you say here's your hat, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Oh, by the way, thanks for the championship. I, I, um, I don't know how to read it exactly. Apparently, he had brought people in the organization the wrong way. And, and uh, uh, obviously, you know, when they sat down to meet with ownership, they knew who he was. Yep. They knew what his M.O. was, that, that he doesn't believe in the future. He believes in winning now. He went out and he won now. And, and two of the guys that he brought in late were Ivaldi and Pierce. One was the uh, one was the MVP of the World Series, and the other pitched one of the gutsiest relief outings ever in World Series history. And they won, you know, they won 119 games and won it all. But you know, they listen. They, whoever takes the job now, and Mike Hazen is now out of the picture in, uh, from Arizona to the he got a contract extension last night. Right. But whoever gets the job now, it, it, the, the immediate task may be trading Mookie Betts. And I, yeah. I don't know if I want to step into that job.
2: Right. Yeah. Mike, what's the balance between, and we were talking about the Marlins with with and Jeter, but if you go back several years, uh, a little bit more than 20 years, they win the World Series uh, in, in 97. And then before you know it, a Very lot nice of those play. a lot of those players leave and for, for various reasons. They tear it down, they build it back up, they win again in O three, and and yet here Dave is losing his job and here's a guy that's notoriously known for trading draft picks to, as Stan says, win now. What's yeah. the balance that you have to draw between those two philosophies?
6: Well, have to win. Know, and and uh, regardless of who takes over here, this is this is going to be a pretty good base. Well it's not you know when people talk about not having a farm system, they also need to talk about all the young talent that they have on the major league
3: team.
6: Right now, while while that may have been Ben Charrington uh, and his people doing that, uh, there's a very fine line. But also, you have to remember that. Uh, John Henry is from the George Steinbrenner tree, mm-hmm. and was in fact a minority owner uh, of the of the uh, Yankees before before he was gifted that Florida franchise by, by Bud Selig, in, and in, in something that still needs to be investigated by the yeah. N. But anyway, he is part of the Steinbrenner tree, and and I think that uh, you know there are there are signs, and one of the signs to me is irrelevant, and. This, is such, this has become such a Patriots town now. It's a good reason. I mean, the Patriots, you can say it begrudgingly, you can say it any way you want, but they are the greatest sports franchise of all time, I think. The most successful sports franchise. And you can talk about the Yankees, and you can talk about the Montreal Canadiens, and the Green Bay Packers, but nobody's had to do it the way Belichick has had to do it in this in this salary cap free yeah era. And and so the, the Pats are huge here. The Red Sox played four games against the Yankees last weekend. Only sold out one game. Now that's you know it, it's minor and it's 30, it, It's only a thousand short. Right. But there's a there's a message there. And and uh, you know we don't know what went on in the inside. I firmly believe something happened specifically to make the firing happen last Sunday, especially since they. They could have waited and gotten the manager and the players out of town and away from the TV cameras. Uh huh. But um, something happened. Something happened off the field. Uh, well, obviously off the field, but behind the scenes that made this happen so
1: quick. Well, I, and I'm not saying that there wasn't a an actual act, actual one incident that caused this to happen. But when you look at the Red Sox, I'm not saying that that Dombrowski is not a good baseball guy. But I look at the the condition he left the Tigers in, and I see a little bit of that creeping in to Boston. I don't I don't see that he's spent a lot of time worrying about what the future is going to be there. You
2: know, and the powers that be, as a result, kind of determined before this gets to that point, we better do something about it.
6: Well, here's the thing: if they decide to keep Boogie w- Bet, you right. still have a young nucleus of Mookie, Bogart, Devers, Chavis, uh, you know. The, yeah. The big mistake that, to, to me, that Dombrowski made, and I think this was ownership, and you can't fire the owner, as they say, was signing Chris Sale when they didn't have to sign Chris Sale. I uh, agree. Uh, the, the guy had a checkered tr- pet tr- and and uh, he to give him $145 million because the owner... Was afraid of a repeat of what happened with John Lester. Well, that's not Dombrowski's fault necessarily. Now right. you look at what happened this season, and you go into the season with six six potential starters, counting Stephen Wright, and only one of them has a good year. So mm-hmm. that's not Dombrowski's fault either. Right. And and uh, you know Porcello tends to have a good year in odd uh, even numbered years and bad years in odd numbered years. He's had a terrible year. Price has won seven games. Sale is 5-11. Wright gets himself uh, uh, suspended. Suspended, yeah. And Juan Rodriguez is the only pitcher who's come through for him. Now, he also made a mistake of, of that bad uh, misjudgment of the relief pitcher thing. Yeah. I wouldn't have given Greg Kimball the money, uh, but there had to be somebody else that you could bring in here and say, that's my closer. Right. And, and they didn't do
1: that. Let me ask you one scenario that I've, t- I've tossed around in my head, and it, and it may be so far-fetched, and I think you're close enough that you'll tell me, Stan, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, he it, does that anyway. The, Theo, <laughs> uh, We know that. Theo Epstein's— You just
6: set me, you just set me up for a layup. Uh, yeah, door. I really
1: did. <laughs> the, Theo Epstein's problems in Boston were really Larry Lucchino, correct? Or, or did he have a problem— with Henry and Warner too. With Lucino, I'm
6: sorry, I, no. The, I, question, I, 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 the I, I, question, the question I, is about yeah. Theo,
1: Theo Epstein. His yeah. problem in Boston was Lucino was in between him and the owner. Uh, my the the scenario I'm painting. Do you see yeah. any way that he is now persona non grata in Chicago? That somehow Theo could return to Boston? With no Lucchino factor involved whatsoever.
6: I could see it. Yeah. I could see it. Um, I don't think it will happen, but I can see it. Okay. again, you're talking about a lot of money. Um, and, and uh, you know, I, CO is about to replace his manager unless the companies do something in the
1: world. Right. Which I
6: have to I think they will, by the way, but that's a whole other story.
1: I feel just the opposite way. I think that thing is going south there. So, well,
6: we'll see. The bias thing did not help. That, that's for sure. Right. As long as they, as long as they get to play, uh, you know, the that problem is that they're looking at a road at a road wild card game, which uh, that, they're not a very good. Road game. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know. I, I think with with a guy like John, see, John Henry, has always impressed me as a as kind of a flower child. You know, mm-hmm. kind of. You know, I know he's made billions in in commodities and all that kind of stuff, but. He, he's kind of a free thinker, um, which means basically that anything is possible. Yeah. It really is. But uh, do they do they keep it within? Uh, you know, I don't know. And, again, they have to decide what they're going to do with Mookie and J.D. Martinez. Because you know Martinez is going to opt out. He, he doesn't have enough money sitting on the table. He's got $63 million. That's... That to me is not a big gamble for him, right? Especially with Boris as his agent. Uh, the Mookie situation: Mookie made twenty this year; he's going to make thirty next year. His last year before free agency. But again, they've got they've got the two first basemen coming off the books. That's thirteen million. They finally have Pablo coming off the books. They have Porcello coming off the books. Uh, they can they can they can chop Brock Holt off the books. Although I would. I would try to keep it on hold.
1: I would too, but, yeah.
6: Yeah, but, um, you know, they say they want to get under the $208 million. Well, they're at 248 right now. Right. So, you know, that's a big, that's a big, deal, a big deal if you're going to have to give J.D. and, and Mookie money. My, my feeling is 50-50 on keeping one of them and 0-100 to 100 on keeping both.
1: And, and, and there's oh. absolutely no way Price opts out because he's got too much money to lose, correct?
6: Well, I don't think I don't think he has it. That was last year. Oh, okay, okay. Boy. Now J.D. has one every year, right? From now, on. I don't know. I don't think that's the case with Price. Not okay, Price, you,
1: you might be right. You might be right.
6: What you do you could, think? You can check that. You can check that quickly enough. Out, you know, just just Google his contract. What but do, I, I don't think that, that doesn't sound so
1: you. What do you think's next for Dave Dombrowski? A job with the, a job with the league, with MLB,
6: TV maybe. Okay. You know he's made a lot of money. Um, you know that Marlins thing, by the way. Oh three, he was gone by then. He he uh yeah, he was gone after oh one. Um, and and I'm not going to blame him for break for breaking up the Marlins. That wasn't his doing. Right. Uh, that was that was think, But. Um, I could see him doing TV for a while and sit back and and uh, and collecting checks. You know, they, we have a we have a, a, a love affair with uh, with fire general managers on the MLB network, so you know, I'm sure he, I'm sure he could slide. It's like you know, I'm sure he could slide in there, but uh, I don't think money's going to be a factor. I could see I can see him doing some television, but you know, somebody's going to look at his track record and say, you know, like I don't see a rebuilding building team like the Orioles doing it, but I could see a team that's, you know, maybe the Cubbies. Who knows? He's real good. He's
1: built good with veteran teams. Right. Uh, We're talking with Mike Shallon. He writes for the New Hampshire Union leader. He's a columnist there. He's also an official scorer at Fenway Park. Uh, Mike, I want to flip over and just ask you one quick football question. I don't know how closely you follow uh, point spreads, but this apparently, <laughs> this is the largest road home sp- uh, point spread, 18.5-19, uh, uh, New England over the Dolphins. Uh, your thoughts on which side of that you'd be on if you were a betting man?
6: Well, the, the Patriots have lost five of their last six in Miami, uh, which it happens to be the same number of home games they've lost in that span. Right,
3: <laughs> but, that's so, amazing.
6: But uh, I would tend to come down on the on the uh, on the on the positive side for New England. But anybody who saw the final play of that game last year and and, and watch Rob Gronkowski not being able to make a tackle on a kickoff, it's got to be a little bit worried, a little bit leery of it. But I think Bill, you know, I think Bill wants to teach. You know, he's, he's got one of his uh, one of the members of his tree now coaching Miami. And, you wanted to be a head coach Brian yeah, let's, this let's is what let's it's about
1: yeah 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 i just uh, think I, I, no. I think i think the one factor that people aren't talking about is Ma- miami may be already sort of uh, in full mutiny mode not not as much against flores but maybe against the owner
6: well, Minka, Minka, uh, the, the first draft pick from last year, yeah, has already asked for trade, and the reason for that is he's mad at Florida. So So uh, I guess floors wanted him, not him to play multiple positions. But right. uh, when you've got when you've got talk like that, and you give up what is it, 684 yards or whatever against Baltimore, and nobody's ever going to con- confuse Baltimore with being a, uh, uh, a powerhouse on offense. Uh, that's rough, and and. But again, it's gonna be it's gonna be hot and now you gotta you gotta factor in the Antonio Brown factor, which from all indications it looks like he's gonna play. I don't know if you saw what his stepfather said, but uh, that broke that broke yesterday, his stepfather saying that Antonio's always been abusive toward women from the basically treating that's basically treated him like property since he was twelve years old. So but apparently he'll be on the field tomorrow and and talk to a batch and Brady not
1: picking that team apart with those wide receivers and slot receivers. All right. He is Mike Shallon. Mike, if we can ask you one last question, and that is if you can handicap right now, uh, do the Yankees have enough pitching to really be a serious threat to win the World Series? Is Houston's quartet of starters uh, too incredible, and are the Dodgers capable of getting uh, over the hump?
6: How many teams do you want me to say win the World Series? Now, no? I want
1: you to say what, what teams you think, will, well, play, think Yankees, will play will play in the World Series.
6: I think the Yankees do have enough pitching. I think that uh, obviously Severino and, and Betances. we're going to have to see what happens with them. But um, these outfield injuries have taken their toll with a long time, you yeah. know, and they're going to have to. They are sitting there on pins and needles hoping that Stanton can play. Right. Because if he can't then you've got Maven as your left fielder and eventually like Wade Miley has it seemed to, it's apparently morphed into Wade Miley again <laughs> in, in Houston. You have got you've got the uh 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 borrowed time with a guy like a journeyman like Cameron Maven, but right. but losing losing Hicks and uh and uh Thompson certainly didn't help. The Dodgers certainly have enough to get there again. Al uh, Russo thinks they have to win it because right. they they've come so close but uh Uh, That Houston team is so powerful. If they can put their healthy bodies on the field, to me, they're the favorite to win
1: it all. I would agree entirely with you. All right, Mike Shallon, thanks a million for coming on. Drive carefully to that library, and and don't take out any books without the uh, express plan to take them back on time, okay?
6: Otherwise, that that library conference, Seinfeld,
1: will come after me. (laughs) All (laughs) right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Mr. Buckman, see you. All right, there you go. Mike Shallon, one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting times up in Boston with the Red Sox.
2: Really is. And uh, it kind of makes you wonder just exactly which direction they're going to head with the current issues that they have with their roster. And now with Dombrowski not there, how they're going to handle all of that going forward and what the plan will be going forward.
1: I agree. The scenario I painted with Theo Epstein, I agree it's a long shot. But I'm telling you, Epstein's problems in Boston were he hated Larry Lucchino. Mm -hmm. And now that Lucchino's out of the picture entirely. I agree with you. It's possible that he could return. I'd say it's like a 15% chance now. But don't rule out three years from now when this next guy comes in and isn't a miracle worker that maybe Theo's brought back at that time. We'll see. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, our next guest is going to be Joe Tressa from MLB.com, and we'll make our connection with him uh, in just a moment now. i uh, got to tell you that we are broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios and got to tell you that the event center out there has a lot of great events coming up during the rest of 2019, including Rock Legends Grand Funk Railroad, one of Craig Heist's favorite bands. Absolutely. Playing Friday, October 11th at 8 o'clock. Tickets start at just $35. More events coming up in the live event center, including the return of live pro boxing October 18th. Boz Skaggs, November 1st. Kenny Babyface Edmonds, November 15th. Gladys Knight, November 22nd. Michael Bolton, November 30th, and more. Get your tickets for all of these great events now by going to LiveCasinoHotel.com.
2: By the way, do you, we were talking to Mike Shallon about going to the library. Yes. And uh, maybe you suggested that he stay away from that certain section in the library. Yes. Okay. Did you see the uh, story... From Miami, about uh, the website uh, Bang Bros. Yes, that they're thinking of. It's a porn. Uh, it's a porn. It's website. a porn website that uh, is going to fork up ten million for the naming rights to, to, to the, the Heats, Miami Heat's, Heats arena, arena. Right, and it's
1: called what? Bang Brothers. Ba-
2: Bang Bros. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and here's the thing. That's a really classy That's thing really to take. Your, <laughs> to, to take your well, kids,
1: daddy. And, Daddy, mommy, I mean, what is Bang Bros? Well, but like let it? me
2: let's face it, the arena can be used for concerts, you know, uh, for for wrestling, uh, I, for for basketball, like the Heat play there. But the, the, the kicker line was sent. They sent out a tweet saying, "Monday Night Raw coming to you live from the Bang Brothers Center." It has a ring to it. <laughs> it does have a ring to it.
1: <laughs> Joining us right now is a name that always has a ring to me, Joe Tressa. Uh, from MLB.com. Uh, He's been covering the Orioles all season long. Joe, how are you?
2: Stan, how you doing?
1: I'm here with Craig Heist.
2: Hey, what's up, Joe? Hey, hey, Craig,
9: how are you? Good. So, so what do
1: you think of the rumors? You spent some time down in Miami. Does the Bang, Brother, does Bang Brothers uh, have a nice ring to it for the arena name down there?
9: Uh, Stan, I can't possibly have less of an opinion about that. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: It it, it just doesn't exist.
2: And Um, and you're a better person for it.
1: (laughs) I appreciate that. You didn't fall into our trap. That's right. All right. Joe Tressa has been covering the Orioles. Joe, I know you read um, Astro Ball, uh, the book, the very fine book uh, on what happened in Houston with the Astros when they turned their team around from sort of where the Orioles are now to winning a World Series and being look, looking like a sustainably um, uh, viable team that's going to contend for a number of years. So nothing here really is much of a surprise to you, is it?
9: Uh, well, that, that was definitely the first little bit of research I did when Michael Iass and, and Sig Dell were, were brought over um, this offseason. You know, it's a, it's a pretty thorough and comprehensive um, telling of how they – really piece by piece, decision by decision um, pulled off the rebuild over there in Houston. And what I what I kind of see is the biggest difference really between how they did it there and how they're doing it now uh, is really the reception. If you remember when they started in Houston, there was a lot of blowback. There was a lot of pushback um, for a few reasons um, and based on a few of the decisions they made, not only really losing, playing for draft picks, um, but but the way that they kind of revamped the scouting operation, the way that they let some of the older employees go, um, the way they really corporatized a lot of their baseball decisions, um, it was it was something that kind of rocked the industry, and that um, that there was a lot of negative reception towards from the fan base there, um, and from a lot of different avenues you know, you're not really seeing all that in Baltimore, right? You kind of see a fan base that kind of said, well, it worked here, so we'll give it a chance here. Um, and they've been a lot more receptive to it since day one, and that's why I think that while it's been a trying season competitively on many levels um, and in many different ways, and there have been low moments that, and there have been embarrassing points and there um you know, reasons to kind of uh, shake your head and turn the TV off. I think that there's been this level of understanding um, that um, a big portion of the fan base kind of, you know, gives gives them the benefit of the doubt, at least so far. Um, uh, and yeah, um, now how long does that, you know, <laughs> goodwill kind of last? Kind of yeah. Kind of remain a thing. You know, I think that remains to be seen. But um, as of this year, I kind of think that this is what a lot of people expected. Uh,
1: I know it's hard to go back and, and compare apples to apples or oranges to oranges. Do you think the Orioles actually have more in the cupboard for, for where they are right now than the Astros did at the same point in time that Jeff Lunau was working there?
9: Really tough to say, right? Because you kind of don't know what the prospects are going to become. Um, What I will say is that what the Astros had at this point in time in terms of holdovers from the old regime Mm -hmm. uh, were position player prospects that uh, they kind of didn't know would blossom the way that they did. George Springer, Mm -hmm. Jose Altuve, some others. What the Orioles have um, are pitching prospects. Over from the old regime, right? So that's, that's the one difference that I see. Now, do, I, you know, do we know that if D.L. Hall or Grayson Rodriguez or Michael Bauman will grow into the impact players at the big league level that Jose Altuve and, and George Springer and some others did? No, we don't. And, frankly, that's a really high bar to set for them. Um, but, again, we're still kind of really early in this process. And you know it's possible. It's possible that that there are p- the players in the system that take off and um, were kind of overlooked and kind of um, make this rebuilding process easier. And that you uh, that that this new regime will be able to identify and then build around. I mean, you've felt, you've seen this year how it can happen with a guy like John Means, who nobody saw coming. Correct. And who now seems like you know maybe not a Cy Young Award winner, but a a a Fixture in the rotations, at least for next year, um, and at least somebody who's going to be around for a while, um, somebody who can um, develop at the big league level, somebody who looks like they're going to get better, um, somebody that's not just a fill-in and a holdover. So, uh, I think there are examples of those kind of guys up and down the roster, um, but it, you know, I think the bigger parallels are going to be the way that the front office makes decisions and the the places, the, the innovative places compared to the rest of the industry they try to get to in certain spheres. Right? Like, um, they're going to try to catch up in analytics than they already have. Um, they're going to try to catch up in player development uh, like they already have. Now, those were two areas where the Astros, were, when they were with Houston, they were ahead of the curve. I think the Orioles now see that it's kind of impossible to get ahead of the curve in those spaces because mm-hmm. the rest of the industry is trying to do the same thing. Yeah. So my question is, what is the area where they're going to try to innovate and experiment and get to before everybody else?
2: Well, now especially that
9: with, yeah, was, especially because there's not a lot to lose at the big league level right
2: now. Right. And but that's what I was going to say. If you you're looking from it from that standpoint, most of the pitching in this the farm system is at the lower end at this point. And in, in talking to Mike, do you have any idea how they feel about their pitching in the lower ends and what they were able to accomplish this year?
9: They, they really like it, and they were pleasantly surprised. And the way that Mike Elias in the front office look at it is, okay, we have certain philosophies that we want to implement throughout the system we have certain practices that we want to streamline throughout the system and we want to create a player development pipeline that can not only train guys the same, train top prospects the same way, but churn them out, like to make, make mid-level and middling prospects better by using the same practices. And that kind of ties into some of the decisions that were made over the past few weeks in terms of letting some uh, older player development personnel go kind of cleaning out the system of of holdovers from the old regime, and I think you're going to see this this winter. Mike Elias and Sig and Chris Holt bring in a lot of their own people
3: mm-hmm.
9: um, to fill in that system. Not just because there's a new boss and they want to do things differently, but because they want to streamline the processes. These these advanced kind of technology driven player development processes throughout the system they want it to be one cohesive voice and they want to be able to get to the point where they can get on the cutting edge and get innovative um, in terms of things like wearable tech um, and and some of these more new age data-driven player development practices that the Orioles really have not ever participated in before so when they look at their pitching prospects they think how can we use these guys to get there and how can we use that stuff to get them better
1: you know, it's interesting. One of the things I observed, and I've probably talked to you about this, Joe, is when they, they don't just identify, the Astros, that is, and, and, and the Orioles are obviously hoping to be the same. They don't just identify, like, sort of uh, dumb luck in their trades. Like, hey, Justin Verlander's been a great pitcher his whole career. They, they acquired Justin Verlander and have an idea how to make him better. Garrett Cole struck out eight guys per nine innings in Pittsburgh, struck out 12 per nine his first year in Houston. Ryan Presley went from being a useful arm to being a very good high-leverage relief pitcher. Do they feel that, I mean, I guess I'm asking if you feel, do you feel that the inordinate success that they had at the minor league level with pitching is almost reflective of, of their work?
9: the Astros did something similar with Aaron Sanchez too to the yep. point now where they've become so famous for being able to revitalize pitchers career at, careers at the big league level that if you remember before the trade line the, before the trade deadline this summer you had many media outlets reporting that the Astros should go trade for Aaron Sanchez because he's right. the kind of guy that they have had success in in making better again, or in, in turning around their career at the big league level. Now they haven't had similar, they haven't had the same kind of success in the minor leagues in terms of their pitching, which I think is a distinction. Um, they, they've really like turned a lot of heads because they've been able to do it at the big league level with guys who were once great, then fell off. And then they were able to tailor specific plans Mm -hmm. that they, that they were able to make them better with. Now, is there, is, there a possible, is there a sense that, like, um, is, is there the, the desire to personalize scouting reports and personalize training the same way in the minor leagues with the Orioles? I, I think so. Like I think I, the, my
1: question really was whether you think some of the great success that Oriole minor league pitching had at Delmarva and Bowie was related to this new regime instituting and Chris Holt some new method methodology.
9: Yeah, I, I do think they deserve some credit for that. Okay. Yeah. I that don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that, that those things happened this year, especially at double a, um, where you saw a lot of those, <laughs> of those guys miss a lot more back than they used to. A lot of them without the typical or what you might call strikeout type stuff. Um, and if you saw throughout the system, strikeouts were way up, walks were way down, um, and what was really emphasized more in, in, than in years past, from my understanding, is the importance of spinning the baseball, the importance of um, really using your breaking ball, the importance of um, kind of personalizing breaking balls to each pitcher. Um, you know, for some, it, there there you know there, there are some systems and some philosophies that basically say. A slider is better than a curve, or a curve is better than a slider throughout the system. Uh, the way the Orioles are teaching it is kind of: let's see which one you can spin better. Let's see which one um, plays better out of your hand. Let's see if maybe a hybrid pitch uh, works better with your arm angle, uh, with your wrist action, with your velocity. Uh, if you um, if you go back just a few few days ago, and John Means. Uh, pitched against the Dodgers. He had one of the better outings of his, of the year. Mm-hmm. And he threw this hybrid breaking ball for the first time. It wasn't a slider. It wasn't a curve. It was harder than his normal curveball, slower than his normal slider, had more sweeping action, more depth to it. And he would never thrown the pitch before in the major leagues. It's essentially a hybrid slurve, And if you look mm-hmm. at the Rays and the Astros and all these really advanced, data-driven teams, the use of these hybrid breaking balls has just exploded this season. And it's kind of a new data-driven trend, whereas and nobody on the Orioles has really done it except John Means this year, and what ended up happening was that he had one of his best outings against the best lineup in the National League, and that's not an accident. right? That's not um, an accident that that happened right now with that pitcher um, in this setting. So I think you're going to see more of that, and I, I think that Um, A lot of the success down on the farm can, yeah, be be contributed to some different philosophies, some new practices, um, and some pitchers realizing their potential because of some different methodology.
3: All right,
1: I know Craig's got one more for you, and then I got one more for you. Go ahead, Craig.
2: Real quick, uh, off of the the minor leagues and things of that nature, but when we talk about uh, Mike Elias running this show right now, and we know what Brandon Hyde thought about this the other night while he didn't necessarily throw him right under the bus. You could tell he wasn't real pleased with it. And that was Dylan Bundy and the inability that he did not uh, the display that that he didn't cover home plate when two of those runs scored on the pass ball. They could not have been happy with that.
9: Well, what I remember is that Brandon Hyde actually – Kind of covered for Bundy on that. Yeah, that's I say, and he didn't
2: throw him under the bus.
9: No, he didn't. And I think, you know, his answer, I, I, if I remember correctly, he said something like, I think Dylan was just stunned um, by what happened. And yeah, he also thought, he also said Dylan thought it was a foul ball, which later Bundy clarified that he did not. But I think the stun comment kind of speaks to um, the fact that. Hyde was a little less concerned with the way Dylan didn't cover home and just more kind of overwhelmed with how sometimes these innings tend to snowball on the Orioles from a team yeah. perspective, yeah, right? like right. the blue pit, the missed cutoff man, the error at third base. Uh, Dylan Bundy made enough pitches that inning to get five outs, so yeah. you know, he got two right. so I think Hyde kind of looked at it as maybe let's give him a little. Of the benefit of the doubt here because I've never seen what just happened happen on a baseball field. And Bundy made some really good pitches in tough weather conditions against a great team in big spots, and he was asked to do a lot.
1: Those are are great points. Joe, those are great points, but I'm wondering if Bundy doesn't bring some of that on himself by his – it's just, I'm not saying he's an elitist, that he thinks he's better. It just seems like he's not enjoying pitching for the Baltimore Orioles, and I can certainly relate to why, but I think that I, I'm not going to be shocked if somehow he's not packaged in a deal this year.
9: Well, I, I don't know if that's true or not. I What I, what I do think from just getting to know him a little bit this year is yeah. that he's never going to say that. He's not that kind of guy. Yep. Um, you know, he didn't throw anybody under the bus the other night. He's the kind of guy who, who shoulders all that blame on himself, and he kind of takes the blows, and he's, he's a team guy, really, okay. um, in, in every Good. sense of the word. You know, is he, can he be thrilled in this situation? Probably not. Yep. Um, because of the defense behind him, because of the, the league-worst bullpen behind him, uh, he's been extended all year. He's been pitching into bad luck. He's, his numbers are way worse than they should be. Um, I wrote a story that, that, that night after that happened, and, you know, all of his numbers are inflated, from his ERA to his advanced metrics to his underlining stats. It's like if this guy was in a different situation on a better team in a different ballpark, he would look like a different pitcher. Right. Now, is he elite? Is he an all-star? Probably not. But he looks better than what he's been, been doing this year. And the fact is that frustration... You can find it throughout the Orioles' clubhouse, especially with guys who have been around for a little yeah. bit. It's not easy to do this on a night-to-night basis, especially when things unravel in such fundamentally poor fashion.
1: I'm going to save my question for some time when we chat during the offseason. I uh, appreciate it, Joe. Gr- great insights, as always, and I uh, really have enjoyed uh, getting to know you this year and the work you've done here in Baltimore.
9: Likewise, Dan. Thanks right, for having me, talk guys. Talk to you soon. It. Okay. See you later. Bye-bye.
1: There's Joe Tressa, who does a terrific job, terrific job. Got to tell folks and welcome in a new sponsor. And uh, Adam Pohl will be our next guest, by the way, in the uh, live casino hotel studio. But uh, good friends of mine, the Glen Burnie Transmission folks, are back in as a sponsor here with Pressbox and uh, our podcasting. Um, Glen Burnie Transmission's been around for close to 60 years out there in the heart of Glen Burnie. If you suspect you're having a transmission problem, GBT can save you hundreds of dollars over taking it to the dealers, all right, for a repair. Make an appointment for a free diagnostic and estimate. Call GBT at 855-728-1841. That's 855-728-1841. Their mission is simple, to provide excellent service at a reasonable price, go to their website at gbt-online.com to check out all of the five-star reviews. Let my friend Mark Schwartzman and his GBT team take the troubles out of transmission troubles. Call them today, again, at 855-728-1841. And before we break, we remind you that... uh, Hour number two of the Battle round is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One's full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube Service Center and ask for Mobile One. Baltimore's favorite sports bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill just steps from Camden Yards. It's the perfect sports bar for baseball season and all things sports with all the big events on dozens of TVs like Maryland's game today. The Ravens tomorrow. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wingding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Sliders with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. Sliders, Baltimore's Neighborhood Sports Bar. See them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit Sliders today.
8: Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostaZen.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere.
7: Hey, Birdland, as fall rolls in, the Orioles have you covered for the last home stand of the season. On Saturday, September 21st, the first 20,000 fans 15 and over can receive an Orioles Sherpa blanket, so you can stay cozy and rock the orange straight into next season. And on Sunday, don't miss out on the final 2019 home game, where the first 20,000 fans 15 and over can take home a retro Orioles t-shirt. Plus, after the game, it's your last chance for kids to run the bases. Be part of it all. Visit Orioles.com for tickets.
0: Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for baseball season and all things sports with all of the big events on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Sliders with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. See them at SlidersBaltimore.com and be sure to visit Sliders today.
10: Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values. Earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY paid for by the U.S. Army.
9: KZ Kenzalis here. I'm back, and I am fulfilling all of your fantasies. Well, your fantasy football fantasies, anyway. I'm with you for the Pressbox Fantasy Football Show every Thursday at 11:30 a.m. to help you set your lineups for all your fantasy matchups. Watch at Facebook.com/slash Pressbox Sports. Listen at PressboxOnline.com/slash Radio. It's all brought to you by Wise Markets and Glory Days Grill. Join us for the Pressbox Fantasy Football Show every Thursday morning at 11:30 (laughs) a.m.
1: The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college football preview. On the cover, Brooks Debose profiles Maryland football coach Mike Loxley, who finally got his dream job but faces a tough task. Plus, previews for Navy, Towson, Morgan State, and more as well as a preview of the high school football season in the area. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at Press Box.
0: Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay. What do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? How about Leonardo DiCaprio or or Lady Gaga? Maybe Barack Obama? Uh, You know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. But I think he died. What?
10: Yeah, like twenty years ago. So that's a maybe Maybe Jabba Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio Monday through Friday, ten AM to noon at Pressboxonline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports. No one wants to talk to
0: Jabba Chamberlain.
1: Well, we are back, and I want to remind you that the latest edition of Pressbox Hits the Streets Monday. On the cover, Bill Ordine dives into the evolution of Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, specifically in terms of how quarterbacks grow from their first year to their second year as a pro. Also, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews, who's made a significant impact since arriving in Baltimore a year ago. Press box available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And got to tell you one other thing. Before we welcome in our guest, Mr. Uh, Mr. Adam Pohl, that there are lots of great events coming up to the live Casino Hotel Events Center during the rest of 2019, Rock Legends Grand Funk Railroad, Friday, October 11th at 8 p.m. Tickets start at just $35. The great thing in Baltimore is you don't have to worry about the Orioles being in the World Series. Conflicting with that. More events coming up. By the way, the World Series won't start till about 10 days later than that. More events coming up in the Live event Center include the return of live pro boxing October 18th, Boskags November 1st, Kenny Babyface Edmonds November 15th, Gladys Knight November 22nd, and Michael Bolton November 30th. And there's more. Get your tickets for all these great events now by going to livecasinohotel.com. Joining us now is a man who's going to have some more time on his hands over the next few <laughs> weeks to enjoy those events
2: at the event center.
1: Uh, yes. That is Adam Pohl, play-by-play I voice of the right Bowie there there. You know
2: i I'm holding you You're personally talking. responsible for these losses the last two days.
5: Well, I'm, I'm telling you, unfortunately, I, I knew we might be in trouble, <laughs> when our manager, Buck Britton, asked me uh, two or three days ago when we realized that Zach Lowther... Uh, would not be able to pitch in the postseason series.
3: Yeah.
5: You know, in the championship series, and he said, I said, well, who would throw game five? And he said, I don't know, but do you have an inning in you? (laughs) (laughs) I knew we were in trouble.
1: (laughs) You you knew that. Uh, Lowther's injury, nothing serious, right?
5: Yeah, nothing serious. Uh, If it was serious, they'd obviously be doing, like, an MRI and things like that. But, uh, I mean, it's just one of those things where he was, he was sore and uh, about to throw a bullpen, and I, I, to be honest, I don't really know everything that went down. My guess is that he uh, he, he wanted really badly to pitch, so he, he he would say, well, maybe if I have a day or two more, you know, something of that nature. But they're, they're going to be very careful with that kind of stuff. So.
1: Harrisburg Saturday night, when or Friday night, last Friday, when Lowther pitched his last game of the year, He was only hitting 89 on the gun, and I thought it was probably a low gun, you know, a slower gun. Uh, Was that down for him two or three miles an hour?
5: I don't know. You know, Louder a lot of times sits around 89 or 90, and you know, and it gets up to 92. So he might have been down a a tick or so, but it's really that's the thing about him. I mean, he's a left-hander that does not have an overpowering velocity, or fastball via velocity, but, boy, you, you get so many strikeouts with that pitch. I mean, he, he easily led the Eastern League in strikeouts this year.
1: Let me ask you the, the big question about Bowie's team that doesn't involve pitching, and that mm-hmm. is you've gotten to watch Usnel Diaz play all of his pro games since – Mar, uh, May th- uh, July 30th last year or July 25th, whenever they, whenever he reported to Bowie, is he a, a real a star? Is he potentially a good player, or has he got some flaws that he really needs to work on? Oh, you know,
5: that's a great question. Um, I, you know, I think that his upside is to be, you know, a league like, regular. Um yeah, you're hoping that next season or the season following that he can start to flash and almost have a little bit of a rise like Santander's had this year in mm-hmm. Baltimore. Um I think that would be a very good comp. Uh even though they, they do hit a little bit differently. Uh but Diaz, um, you know, the, the worry for me is that he's a Deadpool hitter and um obviously he relies on crowding the plate and trying to force you to work him in that he can get to the outer part of the plate. Um And, and with that, you know, the worry is that he would be a, a 220 or 230 hitter in the major league. So thing is that he unlocks some of his power because every home run he hit for Bowie this year. uh, And I think he had 12 or 13 home runs in, in what would in essence be about three months. And then the playoffs of baseball, every home run he hit was an absolute no doubter. <laughs> uh-huh. And He's also the kind of guy that doesn't have a lot of loop in his swing. Um, you know, I, I I remember our our athletic trainer back in the day talking to me about how he thought Manny Machado was better than Bryce Harper when they were just coming into the majors because Machado's bat was in the strike zone so much longer and didn't have that big loop to it. And so, so Diaz, everything he hits is a line drive. You don't see him hit, you know, too many high pop ups or anything of that nature. But you know, the the thing is that. Uh, he's not going to be a 300 hitter, you know. Okay. So uh, can you can hit for more power and be a two sixty, two seventy hitter that hits 25 home runs? That, that's kind of what you're hoping for.
2: Adam, what was the biggest takeaway from, from being in the Eastern League Finals? And, and, yeah, you don't win it, but to get there and knowing what the start of the season was like for you guys and, and to go through and, and, and win the second half and and be able to have the opportunity to play – What's the general takeaway from not just the team, but what are you hearing organizationally?
5: Yeah, I think that, you know, minor leagues, it's hard when you're in my shoes because, you know, this is this is my life. I broadcast the Bay Sox. I broadcast the small division one basketball team out St. Mary's. And, you know, at the Mount, it's all about winning, winning, winning. So when you get into Bay Sox mode, and it's not really all about that, it's all about developing ball players and, and you see that you've, your starting pitching has been so great all year, and two-fifths of your rotation went up to AAA uh, in the five weeks prior to the playoffs. And then uh, you also uh, are in a position where, uh, where the other team is sending four major leaguers down to play, pitch, and they, they, in essence, then have a 17-man rotation. It, it was very frustrating, you know. But, it, it, in, in essence, um, the, the excitement of the Bay Sox season is, is the depth in numbers. Um, you know, the, the top prospects in the Orioles organization are not even to be yet. That can be something that could frustrate Orioles fans because that means that there's still some time before they not only reach the major leagues but are productive major league players. Uh, and I'm talking about mostly the pitchers. D.L. Hall, Grayson Rodriguez are known as the top two uh, pitching prospects in the organization. And then, of course, Adley Rutschman is one of the top prospects in all of baseball. So that, the excitement is that the last three first-round picks of the Oils really look like they could be bona fide big-time Major League ball players. But they obviously have some time. I mean, the, all three of those players um, will be between Frederick and Bowie probably next year. So, what were the Bay sox you know uh, if, if these guys like Zach Lowther's not throwing nineties you know w- what are they and The reality of the Bay Sox is depth in numbers um, you know there 's a lot of guys uh, that can really really pitch at the double a level, not all of them are going to be able to go up and become big time major league starters but when you 've got so many of this depth in numbers of guys like Zimmerman and Kramer and Lowther and Wells and from last year Keegan Aiken. and. The hope is that, obviously, you're able to glean one or two, you know, solid starting pitchers in the major leagues for a long time out of that, and then when these big boys come up and kind of join the fray, you can have a substantial rotation.
1: So uh, you, you sort of paced my thinking. You you know that Dean Kramer and Bruce Zimmerman were both already elevated to pitch at AAA, which right. would seem to give them a leg up to be at AAA next year. You've been a, you've been around this game for a while. Is there room at Norfolk next season for Lother, Wells, Bowman, and Sedlock? Can all four of them join Keegan Aiken and uh, and Kramer and Zimmerman, or will a couple of these guys stay back at Double A? I
5: think a couple will stay back at Double A. So, so what it looked like this year. And Michael Elias just spoke to this press conference this week. He said, look, we're not going to hold players back at certain levels to try to win minor league championships. We're going to progress them in a timetable in which we think is prudent. And the reality is that Zimmerman had pitched as a very good double-A pitcher, and guess what? He made 28 starts at the double-A level between the Braves and the uh, Orioles organization. Well, if you're healthy for a whole year in the minor leagues, you make, you make 28 starts. So, so, in essence, they kept him at, at AA for a year, and he pitched to a low three ERA at AA with a winning record. So, it's, it's time to move up. You know, mm-hmm. um, and, and Dean Kramer was the same. Kramer made, uh, when he came to the Bay Sox, his first start with Bowie was July 22nd of 2018. If you look at when he was promoted to Norfolk, it was the last week of July in 19. Right. So if you look at it, you've got Lowther and Wells were both full season with Bowie. Uh, Wells was going to pitch in the Arizona Fall. He missed the first three weeks of the year. They were both outstanding in, in Bowie. I mean, they were two of the top five pitchers in the Eastern League. So, so they're going to be in Norfolk, I think. It, it would be. Very so you think to cut that. it
1: to cut it short a little bit, Bo? You think yeah, Bowman think and Sedlock? I think
5: Bowman and Sedlock, Sedlock would more than likely start in Bowie next year. Sedlock for sure, and probably Bowman because Bowman came up uh, halfway through the
1: season. That's a that's a good analysis. Uh, before we let you go. Because we ran late on a different segment, I apologize, no and I'll worries. also save your voice a little bit. Uh, <laughs> give us another player that we haven't routinely talked about at the times we've had you on over the last two months. Uh, that you think keep keep an eye on this guy. Let me
5: give and I'm not
1: talking just about pitchers. Maybe a Ryland Bannon. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Of course, Ryland Bannon. I was going to give you two guys
5: out of our bullpen. I mean. We've got Christian Inverado was our closer. He had a great second half. His stuff really jumped, I mean, he was a pitcher that was a fastball 90 or 91 guy, and then when he went to a bullpen, his velo jumped. Usually it's like two to three. It jumped more like three to five miles an hour. He's throwing 93 to 95 and was just outstanding throughout the year. He would be, if he makes the major leagues, the first ever Venice Manor ball player. To come from uh, signed through the Orioles organization all the way to the majors, uh, and then another reliever, Steve Clinic, 25 years old, touched the mid nineties with his fastball, and some people think he had the most nasty curveball in the whole system. And you know, if you have two really good pitches, you can get to the major leagues. So Clinic uh, is really under the radar. He was a 33rd round draft choice, uh, and he's 25 years old in Double A, but boy, he's got some good stuff, and he was dominant and buoyed down the stretch. So a lot of times relievers can rise more quickly, like we saw with Hunter Harvey. Once he became a reliever, it felt like he was going to least in six weeks. And uh, those guys coming out of the gate next year – uh, whether they're starting in Bowie or like they could go up quickly like we saw with a guy like Paul Fry. who was in Bowie a year and a half ago.
1: All right. Adam, Paul, many thanks for joining us and your insights over the past couple months and always. No,
5: that, I love being with you guys, so thanks so
1: much for having me. All right. Take care and give that Alexandra a kiss for me. I will. I will. All right. All right. And <laughs> you'll and
2: you'll be disowned after that, no, of course. Okay,
1: not that kind of kiss. Oh. He's got the cutest baby <laughs> daughter I've seen. All right, thanks, Adam. (laughs)
6: Thank you. All right,
1: there's Adam Pohl, and now we're going to talk in a moment with Matt Zells, and it is with a Z at the end, S-E-L-Z. He's going to join us from FantasyAlarm.com. Interesting analysis, and uh, I think he's right. I I think this club is going to want Bowman to stay down for about six, seven weeks at Bowie next year and really be dominating, and then put him on the fast track maybe uh, at Norfolk.
2: Well, you know, it, it is interesting, and uh, you wonder just how they'll not just treat him, but also yeah. some of the other prospects that they have and, and how they determine who stays down to get that seasoning and who comes up and maybe kind of has the on-the-job training at the major league level. Good, Good analysis. Joining us right
1: now is our friend Matt Zells sells with a Z at the end from <laughs> FantasyAlarm.com. Matt, how are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you doing today? Good. You're on with, uh, you know, me, Stan, but Craig is here today. And I know we to- talked about talking about um, the prospects that were just drafted this year. I'm just wondering if you go back uh, a year or so, what what do you thought of Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall when they were drafted over the last couple of years in the Orioles um, I think
11: when they were taken last year, um, my write-up of them, because I did live draft coverage for Fantasy Alarm last year and this year, uh, I thought they were pretty good prospects coming out. They fit the mold that the Orioles have been – focused on the last several years in which they are uh, high upside young mm-hmm. pitching prospects. And so far the results have been far better than any of the previous, uh, you know, injury riddled guys um, that like, they had taken. Like, like you know, Bundy Kevin Gosman is obviously, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Hunter Harvey, Kevin Gosman is no longer with the Orioles and is now a reliever. Um, Hunter Harvey is, you know, up with the, Orioles right now as a reliever, which is a perfect role for him. Um, But yeah, there's a few other guys that have just not panned out. Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall I think will be the anchors of the Orioles' new rotation here in In probably about two seasons. Yeah.
1: Okay. twenty twenty two or 23 probably. That would make it. We're talking with uh, Matt Sells. He's a player uh, analyst Uh, and content provider for FantasyAlarm.com. They have all, by the way, um, Adam and, uh, not Adam, excuse me, Matt and all the other writers for Fantasy Alarm are not just single sport writers. They cover it all, and they know their stuff. Um, Let's look at how some of this year's top prospects are doing, and let's start with the Nationals. And their pitcher Jackson Rutledge, their number one draft pick. How did he do this year?
6: So so far,
1: he's put up about thirty-seven
11: and a third innings, uh, which is one of the highest totals of any pitcher that was drafted this year. Um, and it's gone pretty decently. He's got a three point one three ERA, just under a sub one WHIP at .99. nine. Thirty-nine strikeouts in those thirty-seven and a third innings. Uh, which is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, now, 27 and a third of those innings had been pitched in full season A ball. Okay. So he pitched a little bit in rookie ball, and then they moved him up to full season A ball. And there, his numbers have actually gotten better. He's got a 20, uh, 2.3 ERA and a point nine one whip. So, you know, he was dinged up a little bit the first two starts in rookie ball, and now he's he's doing what... Basically, he was projected to do, which is look like a number two starter.
1: And it doesn't sound like he's walking many people because his whip is so low.
11: Yeah, I mean, the, the 15 walks up against the 39 strikeouts is a little higher than you might want to see okay. in 37 and a third uh, innings. But he's basically been reducing the width by not being hittable. Okay. So if he gets his control a little bit better, then he'll really
3: set sail.
1: All right. Now, how about the Orioles' number one draft pick? Uh, Sounds a little like a little bit of a mixed bag, and also that he was traveling more than most prospects. He's been at three different levels so far.
11: Yeah. um, Adley Rutschman, obviously the number one overall pick. pick, Uh, A generational-type catcher, in my opinion. Yeah. His flash line, now, for catchers, you have to reduce what you expect the flash line to be. And what I mean by flash line is when you look at the batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging together. Typically, catchers are a little lower than your standard position players. Uh, It's just the way things work out. Now, his flash line is a .254 average, a .351 on-base, and a .423 slugging. And he's been at rookie ball, short A, and now he's all the way up to uh, full season A. And he's got four homers, twenty-six RBI, nineteen runs, eight doubles, which is pretty nice. And he is walking thirteen percent of the time, which is a really nice walk rate.
1: And how's his uh, strikeout? How's his strikeout rate? Is that fairly low? Yeah, it's about seventeen percent, which
11: is which is pretty low nowadays. Uh-huh. Anything that's like twenty or above, you get a little concerned about. Um, anything that's below ten percent is outstanding. But you know, for a young guy who's Getting used to calling games at the professional level, and you know, facing tougher competition than he's faced in college, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Uh, now, granted, it is a smaller sample size of about 155 at bats, but that's he's doing what you would expect for the number one overall pick at this point.
1: We, we said we'd talk about the, the what the number one picks have done. I noticed in the list you sent me, and you didn't send me how they've done, you just sent me some names to ask you, that Bobby Witt Jr. is absent. Did he play at all professionally this year? He has. He's just not done
11: quite as well uh, as some of the other guys selected around him.
3: Okay.
5: Now,
11: in fairness, some of the guys that are selected around him were college players because Adley Rushman played at Oregon State. Then Bobby Wood Jr. went second. He's a high school shortstop. Sure. The guy that went third is Andrew Vaughn, who went to the White Sox. He was a college player at Cal. And then, like, the next several guys were all college bats. So it's not surprising that he hasn't taken off quite that much because it's a big leap from high school to professional ball and, you know, getting used to all of that. He's still doing pretty well, but he's you know, just not lighting, up, lighting it up like the other guy.
2: What can we expect coming into this year and looking forward to next year's draft? Obviously, the pitching aspect of it is going to be much better than last year, but when you think about well, the two teams here locally, the Orioles, who have a lot of their pitching prospects in the lower minors right now, and maybe what the Nationals are going to be looking for.
11: Well, so the Orioles are still going to continue to build, obviously under the, the new management there, and the general manager is very used to rebuilding franchises because you know he did it in Houston and look at how that turned out. I think now that they have Adley Rutschman, and they took Gunnar Henderson in, I believe, the second round, a uh, shortstop who is a very, very high-level shortstop prospect they're going to continue to fill out some key uh, position spots. They don't really have a top-notch third-base prospect. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle is now over at first base, Uh, so I think that's where he probably goes full-time when he makes uh, the transition up to the majors. So I would suspect that they're going to have likely a top-three pick next year. Right. Could be the number one overall pick depending on how mm. Detroit and Baltimore finish this it's not looking season it's not out.
1: looking like there's a chance we can fall that far. We're we're now five games in front of them. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, you know, you're probably
1: not gonna wind up with the number one overall pick. No, but here's the um, bottom
2: line to it. There's going to be a player available yeah. in in those top three or four picks that's gonna help a team.
11: Yeah. Oh, for sure. There are elite next year's draft class. I think grades out a lot higher at the top end than this year's did. There was a few really elite guys in this year's draft, and there was almost no elite pitching. Next year, there's quite a bit of elite pitching. And, in fact, the the guy that's looking like he's going to go number one overall is a high school uh, position guy. So, you know, I think they'll continue to round out their system. The Nationals... It depends on who they lose in free agency mm-hmm. um, because, you know, they could lose Anthony Rendon. They have not signed him to a long-term contract, and if he wins the NL MVP, that's going to get even pricier. Um, Brian Dozier is only there for a year. They do have Carter Keyboom to fill in for him. Um, and, you know, they like to take really high upside, young pitching is what the Nets usually do in the first round. So I kind of expect him to do the same thing next year.
1: We're talking okay. with Matt Zells, S-E-L-Z. He's with FantasyAlarm.com. Please check out the website and consider subscribing if you're a fantasy player because you get this kind of analysis uh, from people like Matt Zells.
2: You <laughs> know a lot more about it than we do. <laughs> yeah,
1: we've got a few more minutes, Matt. Uh, the number one hitting prospect uh, and some said he was the best-hitting prospect in the entire draft, it was Andrew Vaughn, who went to the White Sox, I think, at number three. How did he do in his pro debut?
6: Um, so he's doing really
1: well. I think he's actually made it further than any
11: of the draft picks so far. He's all the way up to uh, high A ball okay. at this point, uh, and across rookie, full A, and high A. He's put together a 278 average, 384 on base, 449 slugging. He's got six homers, 36 RBI, 33 runs, 17 doubles, which wow. is really quite impressive. Yeah, and that's across 245 at bats. And his walk rate at 12% is almost what his strikeout rate is at 15%. So that's pretty remarkable. It's showing why
3: yeah.
11: people were so high on this guy. What kind of
1: OP- what kind of OPS does he have? Is it bordering on thousand? Uh, it's pretty close to, it's a little over 800,
11: which okay. is still pretty, yeah. pretty high. Um, if you're talking to a guy with an 800 OPS, you're talking about the top, oh, I don't know, about 5% of hitters in baseball. Um, so, you know, he's probably not going to be up next year. That would be really, really quick. Um, but I would expect him to be up in 2021 for the White Sox, and they'll use a fill-in for a year because I think Jose Abreu is a free agent at the end of the year rather, uh, for them. So,
1: Rather than go down this whole list of the other guys you gave me, I want to ask you about a player you mentioned who a lot of people are excited about, uh, and that's Ryan Mountcastle. Can you tell me a little bit about where you would have had Mountcastle uh, ranked when he came out, you know, when he was drafted, and does his strikeout-to-walk ratio – is that troubling to you? We're talking about a guy who did win the MVP of A at 22 years of age, but it still somehow sticks in my craw when I see 120 strikeouts and about 17 walks.
11: Yeah, that's not ideal. But the thing that's working in his favor is he's producing with yep. those numbers. Yep. So this year has been a revelation for him. He's been kind of an up-and-down guy because in 2017 or 2018 rather I thought he was going to break onto the scene in 2019 for the Orioles knowing that they were going to rebuild and and that they would need some position players and it looked like he was going to be the next third baseman for them when Machado left and last year kind of injury filled I think he had a wrist injury which for hitters you might not think the wrist is very important, but it actually saps a ton of your power and, uh, and your contact ability. So then they moved him over to first base this year, and he's taken off. I think that's where he'll fit long-term with the Orioles. And if he keeps producing with that strikeout-to-walk rate, that's not a problem. The problem becomes when you strike out that much and your batting average drops and you're not getting on base because you're not walking, That's when that becomes a problem. That's
2: kind of the old Reggie Jackson, Dave Kingman uh, adage in that, you know, you know you're going to get 40 bombs and 100 RBIs, but is the guy going to hit 230 or 240?
11: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what Joey Gallo was before this year. This year, Joey Gallo took a massive step step up before he got injured. Uh, But it was always like, okay, he's going to hit you 200, he's going to walk a bunch, but he's going to hit 45 homers.
1: Yeah, this year he he really upped his on base percentage, and he got his average up to more much more respectable mm-hmm. level. Um, Matt, real quick about Moundcastle, is it also fair to say that like one twenty strikeouts, fifteen walks, roughly? If that's the major leagues, that's one fifty and ten. Um. Is it fair to say that, or is that
11: a little too too pushy? I think it's a little too pushy. I think the walks uh, probably stay about the same. The strikeouts might go up a little bit, so you might be talking about 150 and maybe 30
1: walks. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot um, different.
3: Yeah.
11: Okay. Because the other thing you got to keep in mind is they generally have better hitting coaches and better video guys in the majors so they can actually help increase on-base percentage more in the majors because you have more access to better video to watch in between your starts and, and uh, guys that will take a lot more notes for you than they will in AAA. All right,
1: Matt, really appreciate your being on. Matt, is this possible maybe six, seven weeks, eight weeks down the road, we look at some guys that might be lower-drafted lower that really had good seasons to keep an eye on for, for next season? Yeah, we, we can do that. All right. Really appreciate your uh, participation and help on the show. It's really insightful. All right? Sure. sure thing. Have a great day today. All right? You as well. All right. There you go. Matt Zells from FantasyAlarm.com. Uh, I like player analysis. Mm-hmm. I know you like good food. I do. And where do you like to go to get good food? And the good
2: food is where my analysis comes in. (laughs) So analyze the Costas Inn? Well, you can't get it any better than the Costas Inn for those uh, famous steamed crabs. The best in Maryland, in my opinion. Crab cakes and uh, great specials on the menu each and every night. Monday night, crab cake night. Tuesday night is rib night. Wednesday, steak night. And half-price bottles of wine on Wednesday, Thursday night is lobster night, right? And you can get that either, you can get that either plain or stuffed with the fabulous crab imperial. Great specials on the menu, prime rib, uh, almost every day on the weekend. And uh, go into 4100 North Point Boulevard, see Pete and Nick, and they will treat you right.
1: All right, that's the Costas Inn. That is certainly one of our favorite places to go. Before we get off the air, I got to tell you about two other things. Project Game Day is back. That's right. As uh, we'll be with you, not me, but Glenn Clark, to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. That is halftime tomorrow and after the game. They had lots of reaction last week. They did, I'll bet. (laughs) Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests joining him the moment the game wraps up, including the NFL Chick Sarita Hubbard, Pressbox Ken Zalas and Eric Arditti from Barstool Sports. PressBox's Project Game Day is made possible by great partners like the Costas Inn, Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmission, Glory Days Grill, and the U.S. Army. Like PressBox on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sports and watch Project Game Day there every game day this season. And we'll also tell you that... Ken Zalis can make all of your fantasies come true.
2: Uh, Okay. Uh, All of your football (laughs) fantasies. All right. all right. glad you clarified that. That
1: The Press Box (laughs) Fantasy Football Show. Every Thursday morning at 1130 a.m., KZ helps you set your lineup up for all your fantasy matchups. Watch at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Like the show and share the show. And listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash Radio It's all brought to you by Wise Markets, Glory Days Grills. Join us for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. We'll be back to wrap things up right after this.
10: Pressbox's Project Game Day is back, as we'll be with you to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests joining him the moment the game wraps up, including the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Pressbox's Ken Zales, and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Pressbox's Project Game Day is made possible by great partners. Costa Inn, Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmissions, Lori Day's Grill and the U.S. Army. Like Pressbox on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports and watch Project Game Day there every game day this season. I like world famous chicken. You
0: like world famous chicken. We all like Royal Farms World Famous Chicken. Why? Because Royal Farms World Famous Chicken's always fresh, never frozen. Because it's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices. Because it's cooked on the spot right in the store and because it's the juiciest best tasting chicken on the planet that's why everyone likes royal farms world famous chicken western fries too real fresh real fast royal farms
8: This is Ross Grimsley with a reminder to all my baseball friends out there that I'm now part of the Press Box podcast team. Catch my take on the O's and whatever's going on in this great game of baseball. We'll also touch base with some of my old friends and teammates. Tune in every Tuesday morning or listen anytime at PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross Grimsley Show.
10: Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values. Earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now and it's our
1: annual college football preview. On the cover, Brooks Debose profiles Maryland football coach Mike Loxley, who finally got his dream job but faces a tough task. Plus, previews for Navy, Towson, Morgan State, and more as well as a preview of the high school football season in the area. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com.
0: The Smokehouse Barbecue Bacon Sandwich has come to Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. A boneless breast of chicken marinated with a special blend of seasonings and grilled for a tender and juicy backyard-grilled taste, served on a toasted, buttered, sweet yeast bun with Colby Jack cheese, bacon hand-tossed in a brown sugar and pepper blend, and green leaf lettuce. Topped with zesty smokehouse barbecue sauce, have it with their real lemonade and the famous Chick-fil-A waffle fries for a late-summer meal that satisfies. Nobody waits for food unless they choose to. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers the super-fast service you count on. drive through a pre-order with your Chick-fil-A app, and it'll be ready when you get there. Plus, if you use the Chick-fil-A app, you automatically accrue points for free food. There's no better time for Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square than today. 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Catering available. (laughs)
1: All right, as I said at the outset, very pleasant surprise.
0: Mr. Heist was with me today.
1: Thank you very much for coming in. You got it. All right, I know you got Nats game tonight, so you're on right. your way to Nats and, Park. and uh,
2: Austin Voth uh, goes to the mound for the Nats, and uh, Mike Fultonavich for the Braves Fulton Age Fulton Age is 6 and 5 that's easy for you to right, say right exactly and uh, you know it's, it's had his troubles this year but the ERA is pretty respectable
1: all right again if you want to watch Maryland football it is on CBS Sports Network mm-hmm. which i think is uh, 780
2: uh, shoot i can't remember here's a better way go home grab your remote and, and just, just go CBS CBS Sports. Sports and it'll go right to your channel Thank you. Yeah.
1: Maryland Temple, Maryland's six-and-a-half-point favorite. They probably kicked off
2: a moment ago. <laughs> and go, Maryland Temple, and you'll get. <laughs> Maryland Temple <laughs> I, football. Honestly, guys. Maryland
1: Temple football. It, works. It, this, for...
2: this technology is wonderful.
1: All right. And Ryan McGettigan, thanks for being here again. Many <laughs> McGinnigan. M- yeah, McGinnigan, uh, here Anybody again. works. You like anyway that? McGinnigan, here again. Hannigan, 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 Hannigan yeah. that's you. <laughs> All right. Have a great week ahead, everybody. Glenn Clark. Monday through Friday, 10 to 12, Ross Grimsley, Tuesday at 9 o'clock. Bye, everybody.